Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. All right. Good to be with you. If you're with us online, I'm Chip Free, the lead teaching pastor here. We're so glad you've tuned in with us for, for this time. Um, I need everybody to say a prayer right now, okay? Pray for our tech team. Because I have no idea where this message is going. I've got like 42 pages. Um, you know, last week was such a high for me. Uh, my brother, Naeem Fazo, I don't know about you. He preached me to the moon and back. And... Uh, my, my, my pastor, Gardner Taylor, said good preaching makes you want to preach, so I may preach you guys all the way down to Minnesota. I don't know. Um, but I'm so full, and I'm just overrunning in, in many different ways uh, from last week. And, and so our tech team works so hard to produce everything we're doing online. They're back in the back. We don't always acknowledge them. Would you acknowledge these guys? Really, thank you. Thanks. And I'm only saying that because I'm going to drive them absolutely insane for about the next 30 minutes with these slides. So don't worry, guys. I'll be all over the board. It's good. The whole, Flora asked the Holy Spirit to come, and he did. So he's here. Um, I, I really am basking in last week. Uh, there was something for me. We were dealing with small groups for a whole week. Uh, last week, we were in various small groups. Flora made a plug for her small group. I'll be leading one on Wednesdays. You can jump in. Um, make my shameless plug there. But I'm working from the book Reunion, which is really uh, a kind of a Christianity 101. So if you want to jump in with that, I'm, I'm really excited to lead that. Um, but we were in small groups, and oftentimes Pastor Terry will ask an opening question. And I was in three of our groups, finance and church council, other groups were meeting. And she made us go around the room and describe our spiritual life as if it were a weather report. Did I mention that Pastor Terry was at Woodstock? (laughs) I'm not sure it's all worn off yet. She has flashbacks, you know. Uh, But she did that. And I got to thinking, every single one, it came to me, what's your spiritual life? And I said, foggy. Very, very foggy. I feel like I've been a fog, you know, for 18 months, just groping my way, trying to find the light. But I got to tell you something. If you read my e-note this past week, I hope you read the e-notes. We send them out every Monday. If you don't get it, just hit us at info at garfieldchurch.org. Say, hey, I want to get the weekly e-note. We've been doing that for 11 years to start your week off with whatever's on our hearts as pastors. It's a little devotional. It's a newsletter. It tells you what's going on in the church. And if you read my e-note this week, those clouds began to clear for me last Sunday. It was something about the waters of baptism flowing again. Like we've done some baptisms here and there. I mean, you know, we baptized a couple of our security guards during the pandemic (laughs) when nobody was here. (laughs) They were listening in. They were like, I want to be baptized. So we had those kind of here and there. We did some parking lot ones, but man, to have the, the pool flowing and have folk coming into that, something just in my heart. The fog began to pass, and I said, you know, we're going to get through this thing. 
We're going to get through this thing. We're not through it yet. Uh, we know the disruptive aspect of what 2020 bring, and, and it's still there. Um, it's going to linger for a while. I've been studying the old pandemics. I went back and did a lot of studying on 1918. I wasn't alive, so I thought it'd be good to read about. And I was reading like, like the New York public transit system didn't come back for like seven years. So it's like, you know, this kind of disruptive stuff affects us, but, but the clouds start to part last week. And, and I've, I've just have had this renewed sense of confidence. And so we're in this series, Better Together. And, you know, I got to thinking we're going to do this week and next week. I feel like that's what's happening. We're all getting better together. One of the signs of that, this is a little plug too. I just met this week. Um, our youth, you know, our teenagers, grades 8 through 12, for every other year they've, they've gone on mission trips. These things change lives. They change our lives more than any others. But they've gone all over. And we just met this week. I met with Dre and Scott Mackey and others. We are planning our summer 2022 mission trip for youth after three years off. I'm really excited about that. So we're going we're gonna to be sending our youth out to do some amazing work in June, July. So we need to fundraise. This is something we do. So the soup sales will come back. It'll all be carry out. Yeah, I'm going to make my soup and win. I can't win when, I can't, I can't win when you eat it here. So I'm just going to carry it out. And I'm going to claim on social media that I won. Um, that's kind of what presidential candidates do these days. So I figure I can do it. Um, so we'll be doing that. But what we're doing this month is just having a little bit of fun. Halloween falls on Sunday. Sunday this year. It never does. So we're going to like hold exorcisms? No, I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to say that. I always did. Uh, maybe online we'll do an exorcism. I see you. Um, okay. But no, what we're doing is, I know some of you guys like decorate your front porch for fall or one of these things. So we're having a front porch contest, okay? So what we want you to do, take pictures of your front porch, Post them on our social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram. Email it to us at info at garfieldchurch.org. Um, and hashtag boo for missions. I thought that was cute, man. You guys don't. You guys, where are you? Your hearts are all in Minnesota. Come back to me. Um, boo for missions. Hashtag it. And then maybe text. I just did that this morning. 10 bucks, 20 bucks uh, for the trip. This, is one, this will be our October fundraiser. Or you can give online. It's just a dollar sign. 10 if you want to give 10 or 5 or 20 or whatever you want to give. Space and then write trip. And we're going to start generating funds. I'm so excited that our youth are going to be back on the mission trail again. These are, again, the clouds are just starting to part. Right? So as we work out this series this week and next... For us to be in this renaissance of reconciliation that we announced on September 11th and it's happening in South Euclid, it's happening here, where we take seriously this call from God that we're called to stand in the gap, that we're called where there's division, where there's fracture, we're called to be in the middle of that. To be, you know, when, when God said at Mount Sinai, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests, in the Latin that word priest meant bridge. God said, I'm going to make you a bridge builders. I'm going to send you out to bridge people back to me and back to one another. And so, I, I, you know, as we get into that, I'm going, to do, I'm going to look at this guy, Jacob, for this Sunday and next Sunday. You heard uh, Exodus 32. We'll go to the next chapter next week. And I feel that the biggest key for us to really be able to do this kind of ministry of reconciliation, and that's what Paul said, God has entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation, as though God was making his appeal through us. That's kind of awesome, you know, that God would do that. Um, 
I'm going to say we need to do two things. First, today, we need to wrestle with God. Not just kind of haphazardly listen to me preach about God. Each of us need to do some inner struggle, some inner turmoil. We need to fight for this stuff. That's why Paul, at the end of Ephesians, when he writes this letter about Jews and Gentiles coming together, old walls breaking, he closes it by saying these words, right? Finally, be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God. Like you're in for, you're in for a fight. We got to work for this thing. We got to fight for it. And then, and then Paul ends with a benediction in Ephesians. If you go to that next one, where he's praying for the church, he said, peace be to what? The whole community and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is, this is a benediction to a church that isn't about, you know, a bunch of individual Christians coming for self-help. This is a blessing of a people who are joined together, willing to go out into the world, as Naeem said, and tear down the gates of hell, not build new ones, but go out with the love-bearing. How many of you have been feeling for your electromagnetic heart waves this week? I've been doing that all week. Like, I feel you. Um, you know, if, if, you didn't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go look at the sermon last week. But we go out with that kind of a love force, right? But to be able to do that individually, we need to do some wrestling with God so that next week we will have the ability and the power to kneel before others. So remember that. That's, if you remember anything else, we got to wrestle with God so we can gain the power to kneel before others. If we can do that, we can be in this work. Now, we're looking at this story of Jacob wrestling with God. That's what verse 28 said, that in chapter 3 said that he has wrestled with God. This strange, mysterious figure comes and jumps him in the middle of the night, right? Now, Jacob is an interesting character because if you study the story of Jacob, you know, in the ancient, like, mythology and, and stories, whether it's Hercules or King Arthur or those kind of things, do you notice that all the kind of old stories, people say the Bible's just made up. It's just, you know, the, 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 the Bible's very, very different from the old stories because the old stories will tell us about these heroic figures, right, who are highly moral, and have great abilities, and they do these great things, and we are to emulate them. But when you get to the scriptures, you get the big heroes of the faith, and they're, sometimes they're not doing anything moral at all, right? They are blowing it. Like Father Abraham, remember Father Abraham? His wife Sarah? Two times, not once, twice, just so we know how messed up he is. Two times a foreign king comes in and he's going to raid and pillage the women, right? And Abraham, because Sarah's beautiful, he doesn't want them to know that she's his wife because he's worried they'll kill him. So he goes, yeah, she's my sister. You can have her. Twice. Twice he does that, right? And God has to intervene. That's Father Abraham. Let alone David. You know the stories of David, right? Bathsheba Gate. You know that story, right? You know those these stories. Nowhere, I think, does the Bible show us that it's not propaganda. People say the Bible's propaganda. I say it's bad propaganda because their heroes are always blowing it. Nowhere is anybody more out of sync than Jacob. If you read the story of Jacob, I'm telling you, up until this chapter, and this is a pivotal chapter in Jacob's life. In fact, if you read it, it says in verse 21, the sun began to set on Jacob. And then by verse 31, the sun rose on Jacob. This is a new day for Jacob. This is the story of new life after he's wrestled with God. But up until this time, this guy is absolutely no good. In fact, do you know what his name means? 
It means grasper or hustler, con artist, schemer, wrestler, right? Somebody who's grappling for their own good. In fact, if you know the story, I know we have that slide way down the pike, guys. So you, if you find it, you can. But it talks about in Genesis 25 how Jacob was born, that he and Esau, man, these guys are good. That they, they, they literally, they like skipped 30 slides to get there. You guys are amazing. Um, yeah, give it up for them online. And they're back there going like, Chip, we got this, all right? But here's the, Jacob and Esau are in Rebekah's womb, and they're wrestling. Do you see that? Before he's born, he's wrestling. And ultimately, he's going to end up wrestling. He'll change his life. And she said, why is this happening to me, (laughs) right? The first to come out was Esau, the older brother. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Grasper, Huckster trickster. And if you read his story, all he does is hustle people. He, he tricks his brother out of his birthright, that's the first story, over a bowl of bean soup. Then he conspires to trick his dad uh, to give him the blessing, not Esau who's supposed to get the blessing, right? Then Esau wants to kill him. He f- does the real noble thing. He flees the land of promise. He becomes on the lamb, a fugitive. He goes down to his mother's, his kind of, you know, his mother's kin, Laban, his uncle, who is a pretty good trick artist himself. And they have this kind of, you know, poker game over Laban's daughters, right? And he's trying to get Rachel and he ends up with Leah. Then he abuses Leah. Then he tries to get Rachel. And this guy's just a scoundrel. He's no good. Why does the Bible make him? Why does he say I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Like, God, you got to pick some better folk. <laughs> Seriously, man. I mean, gosh, this guy is, he's, he's just no good. But he wrestles with God, and he becomes not Jacob. Did you see in that story? He's named Israel. So he's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And you know what Israel means? The one who has become entwined with God. So he's gone from a wrestler and a grasper to now one who is caught up in God's presence. What happens? What happens? Few, I'm going to give you four points and lay off you. First, the way that we get to this kind of transforming experience is first point, we need to meet God ourselves. We need, you must meet God yourself. You say, well, Chip, that's kind of basic. Yeah, be careful now. Because I know a lot of people that come into churches like Garfield or other places, and we have this amazing experience. We hear all these baptism testimonies. We're lifted to the skies, right? And then people might move out of town and never join another church, never get involved. What happened? We're so caught up in the community. We're so caught up in the testimonies of others. It's almost like a drug, and it feeds us. But we get away from it, and we got nothing on our own to sustain us because we've never made that step. See, Jacob, did you read the story? He, Esau, he hears, is heading his direction. He's coming back to the land. Esau is coming with 400 men, right? The last Jacob has seen Esau, what did Esau say? We're going to mourn our father, and after the funeral, I'm killing you. So when he hears Esau is coming his direction with 400 people, what's his assumption? I'm going to die. 
So he sends all of his livestock and all of his servants, and they go out in waves. They're going to hit Esau in waves. And he tells his servants, bow down and offer all of the livestock, like a kingly presence. Like maybe that's going to appease Esau's anger. One scholar said, this is still Jacob being Jacob, because Jacob knows that Esau wants to kill him. So he's sending out waves of people for Esau to kill hoping after he's murdered them all, he'll lose his taste for blood by the time he gets to Jacob. This guy is no good. But he knows he's at a place where he has to go it alone. Jacob was all alone. This is, it's D-Day the next day. This is a day any of you had to go through surgery. I hate going under anesthesia. I've only gone under it like twice. My wife, wife makes fun of me. I just something, because I'm such a nervous Nancy. You guys know me. I'm always doing something. Like, I can't, you can't put me to sleep. Like, that's not right. I got to move. I got to. In fact, Terry said, both times I came out of anesthesia, I'm preaching. <laughs> True story. I had a nurse tell me, yeah, you gave me a good sermon. I have no idea what you were saying, but you were, <laughs> I'm sure we're talking a lot. Like, you're back there, drugged up. So don't tell me I never spoke in tongues. I did, um, I guess. But, but I don't like that. But you know, when, you have, when you've got a surgery coming up, right, you have all your people around you, people praying for you. They might be in there, but at some point they're going to do what? <laughs> Wheel you in. And you've got to go through that alone. Jesus said there is a place in your time, in your life, where you'll have to go into your closet and shut the door. And do some work with God one-on-one. Jesus modeled that in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Took his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, but said, wait a minute. You guys stay here. I need to go a little further. There's a little further that all of us have to go one-on-one with God. Like, it can't be my mom's testimony. It can't be my wife's testimony. At some point, it's got to be my testimony. I'll never forget years ago. This will surprise you about my wife. She's probably going to yell at me. I wasn't going to tell the story, but I'm... I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I, um, but I was, that, that's cover, that's cover. I'm using God. I'm Jacob. Um, but I was preaching a revival in Mobile. My pastor moved to Mobile, Alabama. He took Joseph Lowry's church. If you know Joseph Lowry, a great pil- pillar of civil rights. I was honored to go down there and preach revival for five straight nights. And at the end of each night, we would do an altar call, right? People come forward for prayer. And, and there was one guy that came forward every night for five nights. He just run up forward. He's crying. I'm laying hands on him. I'm sweating, praying for him. Next night, here he comes again. Next night, here he comes again. Next night, here he comes again. By Friday, I was up there, started laying hands on him. And my wife, you know, she, she's pretty nice. She came up and pushed me out of the way. And she said, look, I've been watching my husband sweat over you and pray over you for four nights. It is time to lay hands on your own head and pray for yourself and call on those things that are not as though they are. You can't live. Up. I just was blown away. I'm like, who is this woman, right? But she was so right. Because of time, we got to do that on our own. Okay? You need to meet God on your own. And the second thing is you meet God in your weakness. See, Jacob had been this swindler. He'd been this con artist. He's a Ponzi guy. He's been doing this stuff all his life. But all of a sudden now, he's stripped bare. And why when Esau's coming after him, I got to thinking about this. He knows Esau's coming after him. He's run before. Why doesn't he just take off and run? That's what he does best. Save his own hide, save his own skin. And I look back in the story, the reason Esau went, or Jacob went back to Israel is it said that then the Lord had said to Jacob, this way he was away, return 
to the land of your ancestors and to your kindred, and I will be with you. Jacob coming back home is the first time he's listened to God in his entire life. He's listening to God. He's, 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 he's surrendering. This is, not, this is not by his nature. He's surrendering. And if you read in chapter 32, if we'd have read up top, he's praying. He says this beautiful prayer. He's starting to develop a prayer life. Like God will meet us when we're willing to be weak. That's why when Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh, you remember that? A messenger of Satan. He said, I ask God, take it away. God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. See, God, what C.S. Lewis said, he whispers to us in prosperity, but he shouts to us in adversity. God wants to get us to a place where we're authentic where we can be owning, what do we say in our mission? Our common brokenness. That's why the Bible tells us the story of Jacob. This isn't a guy that somehow leaped tall buildings or slayed the minotaur like Hercules and, and achieved it. No, this is a broken, broken man who only became whole when he surrendered the control over his life and started to wrestle with God. And what happens when you meet God on your own and you meet God in weakness, the third thing is you meet God at the center. I love what Tim Keller, he's a great American theologian, said. He said, God does not want to meet you in the spiritual suburbs of your life. He wants to meet you downtown. He wants to get in your center. See, you see, God comes in. In fact, when it says that God, that this mysterious person came, we know to be God, and wrestled with God. You know if you read the Hebrew, or wrestled with Jacob, you know what it literally could read? Seriously. It could say, a man came and Jacobed with Jacob. Somebody was going to out Jacob Jacob. Jacob says, God says to Jacob, you have been wrestling with people. You've been wrestling with your brother. You think the problem in your life is your brother. He is keeping you from everything you want. He is, you know, in your way of you having life and love. And you think Rachel's who you need because of her beauty. And that'll fill your life. But you don't realize that at the center beneath all of your problems is that you don't have a relationship with me. And you've been wrestling with other people trying to earn your own salvation and you need to, re you, the real person you've been wrestling with all your life, Jacob, is me. And he comes in at the center. Why do I say that? Look what he does to him. Our God is not a tame God, friends. Somebody said, you know, God doesn't have to prove the existence. He's a lion. Just unlock the cage. You will find out who God is because I have never seen anything describing this kind of God. Do you see what happens? Here is Jacob. He's repenting. He's believing God. He's listening to God. He's starting to pray. Now, now what, what, do, what do conservatives and liberals say? A conservative would say, if you go to church all the time, you could surrender, sacrifice your needs and put Jesus first and read your Bible and pay your tithe, God will come and clobber you and maim you for the rest of your life. That's what happens. Or the liberal God. Oh, God is beneficent. God just loves everybody. So when you really need God, God will show up at the river and assault you. <laughs> and wrestle with you until you can't walk. There's, 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 you can't make this God up. See, we make up certain gods, but God, who is God, comes in at the center of our being and says, I'm going to show you who the real Jacob is. Your arms are too short to box with me. 
And he comes in and he, he literally recenters Jacob's life. You've never seen any, anything like this. We, we've, never, we've never experienced a God like this. And this is when we do this. It will humble us into the dirt, but it will also lift us to the skies. Why do I say that? It humbles us into the dirt because we realize that we're not God. In fact, when did Jacob realize he is actually wrestling with God? Almost every Hebrew scholar says it happens in verse 25. Did you hear what it said in verse 25? It said, I think our translation said, well, our translation says struck. That's a terrible word. In the Hebrew, it says that the man touched Jacob. In fact, in the Hebrew, it literally means he tapped Jacob. Just tapped him, right? On the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint. Like just one little tap from this man. Not, didn't strike him. Didn't take a big boulder and hit him over the head. Just tapped him. And Jacob realizes, I am wrestling with one who could have incinerated me. This is, this is God. And Jacob goes from wrestling with God, which is trying to push God away, to now, he, you see it, he's clinging to God. I won't let you go. You have the blessing I've been looking for all my life. You, you know, I thought I would get it with Rachel. I thought I could get by stealing it from my brother. And what I really needed was the affirmation from you. You have all this power, and yet you are with me in this moment of crisis. You are changing me. You're, you're attacking me but because you're, you're the enemy of my old self. Because you want to be the creator of my new self. And Jacob now is clinging to God. And you know what he discovers? This is what we all need to discover, friends, is we find out that God, in these moments, becomes weak for us. He becomes weak for us, right? Like God, God, God just tapped him on the hip and he could never walk the same again. Imagine what God could have done. And here is this man who is powerless, who is brought to his knees, who's, who's limping and who's clinging to God. Who wins this match? God says, you won, Jacob. <laughs> you won by losing. You won by becoming weak. Jesus said, if you seek to save yourself, you'll lose yourself. But if you lose yourself for my sake, Jesus said, you will find everything you've been looking for. And God puts himself become weak. He says to him, you have wrestled with God and with humans and you have prevailed. See, how does this happen? How does this omnipotent, all-powerful God allow Jacob to win? The best image I had was... Um, you know, my two boys, when they were young, they're 30 and 27 years old now. I, I, I'm not going to admit online because they could be listening. They can probably take me now, but I, I'm, I'm going to go down with a fight. Um, but back when they were like five and three, right, or six and four, they used to love to gang up on me. They, you know, they'd hide and then jump me and wrestle with dad. You know, I always try to think, you know, how does a grown man, how do you not crack like a five-year-old's ribs, you know? And I found the secret. You know what you do? You never put your full weight on them. Anybody ever played with children like that? You know, they would throw a fake punch and I'd fake like I'm falling and then I'd try to arm wrestle and, you know, I'd be on, my weight would be on the floor. I'd never put all my weight on them because I didn't want to hurt them. Do you realize that's what God is doing right now? That's what God did with Jacob. That's what God does with us. He humbles himself taking on the form of a servant, Philippians said and endured death, even death on a cross. Like, like he, he never puts the full weight on us. 
right? He, he comes to us in a way that we can understand. Very humble, very, very, we, that, and, and that's ultimately what the story of Jesus is, that God entered into our condition. He became weak so we could become strong. First Corinthians, at the very last slide, guys, says it this way, says that the, the cross, the message of the cross is foolishness to the world, right? But to those of us, I love this, who are being saved, like we're continuing to wrestle, we're continuing to grow from glory to glory, new mercies I see. It is the power of God. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak to shame the strong. He's the source of your life in Christ Jesus. See, God never put the full weight of justice. He never, put, he never gave Jacob what he deserved for his sinfulness and his wounding other people. Why? Because he put the full weight of that on Jesus. Jesus bore the full weight of our sins. He bore the full weight of what we deserve so that we would never get the full weight of God. We just get the little love taps that wake us up, that wake us up. Have you wrestled with God lately? Spend some time this week. Think about that. Go by yourself one-on-one, and do some wrestling. Terry's going to lead us at the communion table in a minute, but I was reminded of a story I heard years and years ago. It was about a a monastery, a colony, with this very, very famous monk, and there were all these young monks in training. And uh, the father monk said to his trainees, he said, I'm going to go on a pilgrimage. I'm going away to an island. I'm going to go spend a few months on the island, then I'll return. And the young monks were very concerned. They said, Father, where, what are you going there? Why are you going there? He said, I'm going to wrestle. They said, oh, you're going to wrestle. Are you going to go wrestle with the devil? He said, no, I gave up wrestling with him long ago. He's a waste of your time. I let Jesus fight that fight. Well, where are you going to wrestle with? He said, I'm going to wrestle with God. They said, with God? Father, do you hope to win? He said, no, my child, I hope to lose. That's the wrestling we need to do. Go in there and lose ourselves in the presence of, what did the band sing today? What Dray and Leah say? Jireh? I love that. You know where that name comes from? Jehovah Jireh? That was when Abraham went up the mountain with his son Isaac, and he thought he was going to lose his son, and he didn't understand what God was up to. And, and he was trying to figure it out. And then God intervened and spared his son and, and brought a, a ram out of the bush for him to be an offering. And Abraham said, this, is, this place is gyra because God's enough. Hey, he might jump you in the middle of the night. <laughs> you may never walk the same. Your name might be different, but he is good. He is the king. He is gyra and he's enough. So let's do some wrestling, because only when we do that will we be in any shape to begin to, to go out and kneel before others and do the hard work of reconciliation. Amen? Hey, guys, we'll uh, see you online next week. Pastor Terry is now going to come and lead us to the table.